This week's podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor or new partnership, LSKD. Yeah, they're a local Brisbane uh, business who, who like us, are trying to take over the world. They're obviously a, a, a great clothing brand who, you know, as James will attest to, we used to be fully kitted out in Lululemon, but now LSKD's come along and we're jumping on that bandwagon because it's better. Yeah. I've, I've just really enjoyed the quality of the clothes. They're a really good brand to work with. They share our values. Yeah, um, and we've yeah. worked with these to get this going. Like we wanted this <laughs> as well, just as yeah. much as them. So we're super pumped to have them on board. So by supporting LSKD, you are also supporting us and you are supporting the growth of this podcast. You get 10% off at checkout with the code REBUILD or you can follow the links in the show notes or go to our social media and click on the links and you will get 10% off with LSKD. Yeah, we can take care of your training and nutrition, but then let them deck you out and look good in all their clothes. I'm James Beatty. And I'm Sean Carroll. And welcome to the Rebuild Health and Fitness Podcast. All right, and welcome back to the Rebuild Health and Fitness Podcast. And today we're going to talk all about protein and what the science says. It's going to get you jacked. (laughs) Not by listening, it won't. But it should help because I do think there's a lot of conflicting evidence when it comes to protein. Um, Everyone says different amounts, the amounts that we should be eating, that we shouldn't. Is it healthy? So we're just going to stick to what the science says. So we're going to go through some protein sources. How much protein can we actually absorb? How much should we have per meal? How much protein per day? Is it safe? Is it unsafe? There's just so much to talk about. So let's start from the top. Let's start from the top. Kick it off then. All right. So within protein, there are amino acids. So there's essential and non-essential amino acids. So there's 11 non-essential and there's nine essential. And then there's three essential that make up our branched-chain amino acids. And branched-chain amino acids, um, they sort of suppress protein breakdown and are used to um, as sort of efficient energy source during exercise. So essential means that your body can't make them, so we need to get them thre- through food. When non-essential, your body can synthesize them themselves. Yeah, and I think it's just important to note, like when we talk about amino acids, they are like the building blocks of protein. You are made of them. You are made of them. <laughs> So within protein, there is complete protein. So complete proteins are the ones that have all essential amino acids. So a food source that has all the essential. Like steak, whey protein. All uh, animal-based protein sources are usually um, essential. Then there's incomplete proteins, and this means you are deficient at at least one essential amino acid. And these are usually things like plant-based sources. Sorry, Kate. I am not vegan. I'm vegetarian. <laughs> same, same. I have plenty of animal sources. This one's for you. Okay, so again, <laughs> combining food sources is important for vegetarians and vegans. I've had a lot of vegan vegetarian science that, uh, clients that have been highly successful because usually they have a mixed diet, right? You mix different protein sources, beans, lentils, rice, peas, soy. Okay, so you're actually combining them. Um So you're getting these sort of complete proteins because the one thing that we want to be looking for when we're having protein sources, especially if we're training or we're talking muscle mass, is leucine. Um, We'll go. We'll talk about leucine a little bit later on, but that's just the basic understanding of what protein is and what we need to be looking at. 
Okay, so so much evidence about it. So let's see what the science says. So protein per day. Okay, how much protein per day should I be having? And this, I've seen this varied so much. Yeah, and again, it's very, very, very confusing for a lot of people, but you can trust what we say. I think it starts from like the recommended sort of daily intake from the World Health Organization or the WHO have it based around um, 0.8 grams per kg of body weight. It's not much. It's a very, very small protein. Um, And even sort of the experts are saying that this is too low. Pretty much what 0.8 does is pretty much represents the minimum amount to avoid deficiency. It's not things like osteoarthritis and sarcopenia, which, or that's what you may get in nursing homes. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because the elderly need a little bit less protein for this anabolic. So, for example, someone that weighs 70 kg would only need 56 grams of protein, which doesn't quite seem right. Because that's a meal. You're getting that in a meal. Yeah, yeah, you definitely. can do your whole day in a meal, and that's really not hard to hit. Um, but one thing this doesn't take into consideration, sorry, is sort of physical activity, weight training. Do you know what I mean? That becomes really important then, and 0.8 is just not enough whatsoever. So the current evidence indicates a range of about 1.2 to 1.6 of high quality protein is more ideal target for achieving optimal health. And that's from Phillips et al. in 2016. So 1.2 to 1.6, this is the range that we want to be looking for just as a healthy individual. I would say even as an untrained individual, 1.2 to 1.6. Yeah, definitely. Because as we get older, we want to be able to maintain the muscle mass we do have. We don't always want to be going backwards and by hitting those sort of or get, hitting protein targets within that range is going to help you to be able to maintain what you've got to some extent. Yeah. And even from a satiety standpoint, yeah. from a health standpoint, you know, I mean, there's so many things that it does. It's enzymes, it's the transporters, our hair, our nails, our satiety. There's like tens and tens and tens of functions for protein and the importance of it. Um. So again, that's to be healthy, but let's talk about performance and growth because most people listening to this podcast will be health-seeking, Yeah, you know, let's say. Um, so a lot of the time, the amount of protein that we eat will be dependent on what we do in the gym. So, you know, let's talk about three areas right now. And one of them we spoke about last week, which is like a recomp phase, yep. which is like you losing fat and building muscle at the same time. Um, there may be a gaining phase. Okay. Or there may be a fat loss phase. And these vary depending on, well, how much protein you have at these do vary depending on the deficit that you have for things that you've just said about sort of maintaining muscle mass. Um, so it seems that less protein is needed when you are sort of bulking when you're in a surplus yeah right because you've got so much food you've got so many storages that your body will then have to run through those storages to start breaking down mass right so when you're bulking you actually need a little bit less so again the research looks at about 1.8 grams per kg body weight to around 2.2 which is still a decent chunk but you've also got to keep in mind that hitting that per kg of body weight is a lot easier to do simply because you have a lot more calories to play with. Yeah. So you can enjoy your food a little more. more. So again, 70K individual, 126 grams to 154 grams of protein. Again, you realize that one gram of protein equals around four calories. Uh, When cutting, 
it seems that we need to increase our protein intake. And that's just purely due to having less reserves, having less calories. We've got less energy, so it means that muscle protein breakdown may occur a little bit quicker. So this is shown in the research to be ideally anywhere from 1.8 to 2.7 grams per kg of body weight. And that's from Hector and Phillips in 2018. And then there's one from, you know, I think this amount of protein, one of them starts stops from sorry, starts from like a satiety standpoint when you're dieting. Mm. And there's a there's a paper here, it's like satiety in one meal over 24 hours in Bloom et al. was just massively increased. So if even if you had one really high protein meal, your satiety for that whole day would be a big increase. Um, and then there's obviously the variance between that 1.8 and 2.7 is quite big. And I would say if you're leaner already, then you're probably better off being that, hopefully the upper end of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, recomp phase which we spoke on last week with the muscle nerds um, so this is where you're building muscle and losing fat at the same time where you want to sit your calories around maintenance okay so this should be sort of similar to that bulking so around 1.6 to 2.2 and that's just oh sorry it's similar to yeah bulking because it's very similar to the fact that you're just eating more calories you have a lot less chance of muscle protein breakdown which is the big one that you don't want to see right when you're dieting yeah. you want to be trying to look after the amount of mass that you can you know what i mean because most people that diet they want to look better yeah you're not well again most people who want to lose fat don't want to end up being like super super skinny they want that sort of muscular toned in quotation marks mm. look they want to look athletic they want mm. to look fit they want to look like they train and if you just go bugger it with the protein bugger it with all calories then you're going to end up looking very POW yeah <laughs> if that's oh. a fashion isn't it some people want to look like that some people models catwalk models there's no war <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. I get. I will see a couple of caveats in this. I didn't have it, but you know, these are all well and good saying these, but from nutritionist standpoints, again, this is what the science says, but from experience, some people really struggle to hit that much protein. Mm. Again, but it just needs to be the aim to sort of maintain mass to health with diet. This is just what the science is saying in the structure. But a lot of time, if someone's super overweight, for example, they can't go and eat 2.2. So if someone's 150 kilos and I go, hey, mate, can you, um, you know, eat 2.2 grams per kilo body weight? Like, no, impossible. That's like, so much. I can't do that. So when we were looking for the research of this podcast, came across a video and it had a Dr. Eric Helmon. We should get him on the podcast, by the way. Um, <laughs> that came up with a thing like, and this was, again, I think they spoke about this last week. What's, it, mm. what's this? Th there's something about, you know, when you hear something that you've never heard before and then you hear it again and you're like, holy shit, I've just heard about that. Even I've never heard about it. It's called something. So this is very similar. Bias. No, it's not it. That's not, no, it's not, no, that's not it. Because confirmation bias is a belief system, a belief thing. This is like someone saying, have you ever heard of the witchetty grub? Right, and me going, what? I've never heard of that. And then someone in the next sentence goes, oh, "I just saw a witchy grip," and I'm like, "What the fuck? I've just never Co have that coincidence. Do you never have that? Maybe a coincidence, but anyway, deja vu. So I anyway, know what you're thinking of? Um, they spoke about this last week about if someone is overweight, and I will be honest now, I've never used this. No, but I think I will. I will use it in the future, which it does make a lot of sense. And again, the research on this seems to be that this is pretty 
bang on. So for someone that is fairly overweight, what they're doing is actually taking their height in centimeters, okay? And then for every centimeter would be one gram of protein. So say, for example, me, five foot nine, above average, 175.5, but I've just gone straight to 176, you know what I mean? Just looking up. And if I was overweight, I would have that as a protein target. I would have 176 grams of protein. Again, something, something interesting I will certainly look at. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That I haven't. So, how much protein can we absorb? The age-old myth. The age-old myth of how much protein can we absorb? And the simple answer is all of it. Everything. Yeah, it's a contentious um, discussion for years, but the simple answer is it is all of it. And this comes down to what we're talking about about muscle protein synthesis. Again, it's how much we can actually need to sort of stimulate growth in a single feeding. So the question might be like, how much protein can you use in a single feeding to stimulate growth, mm. even though total protein is still super important? Um, well, yeah, I think this becomes like it was popularized but sort of agreed upon that having these consistent protein feedings of at least 20 grams between like 20 and 50 grams is that sort of optimal range but then we get heaps of guys who are fasting and skipping breakfast and maybe even having like one or two big meals a day who are looking pretty jacked mm. so there's got to be like total total protein for the day is always going to be king but can we make it yeah. a little bit better yeah the fasting crowd yeah, we don't want to bring too much attention to them. Now, but again, if they're still getting two meals per day, for example, of a bigger amount, and they're still training, because again, if you look at training being the biggest inhibitor, whatever you want to call it, of muscle gain, and if they are training hard, and they gather they would be training PM and then eating, mm. like that would make a lot more sense, and their meals are massive. But um, it isn't completely clear, but it seems, you know, having a certain amount in a meal is going to be the most beneficial. So, Again, it's looking at 0.3 to 0.5 grams per kg of body weight per meal. But this is because of leucine, which is one of the BCAAs that we spoke about earlier, the branch chain amino acids. And it seems if we can spread this out evenly between like three and five meals per day, we seem to sort of have the sweet spot. And again, even talking about that fasting crowd, it seems to me to be a lot about like optimal or suboptimal protein feedings. So if we're looking at leucine, so... Back on an old podcast, it's actually our most ever listened to podcast, the Fat Loss and Muscle Building, The Simple Science. I use this breathtaking Oh, well, I think Muscle Nerds eclipsed it now. No way. I'd look the other day. I bet they'll, they'll come close. They will do it, though. They're very, that's a lot newer. That's like one of our oldest podcasts. But anyway, there was an analogy on there about muscle, which I'll just say quickly now, very quickly. If you want to go into depth, then go back and listen. So look at your muscle as a brick wall. And the addition of protein, the addition of amino acids is the addition of bricks, right? So as you eat more, then the wall gets bigger. But while you're not eating, there's something called muscle protein breakdown. So this is someone on the other side of the wall taking all your bricks down, right? So it's like muscle protein synthesis v muscle protein breakdown and the net between the two means growth or loss. It doesn't just happen like, hey, I'm not eating a meal. I'm going to lose yeah. all my muscle mass. Like this is a, a very slow process. But then there's something called leucine, right? So leucine is what sends the signal to stimulate 
new muscle, new growth. Okay, so without it, we cannot grow. So I like to look at leucine as the cement that holds the bricks together. So with vegans and vegetarians, if they're not getting complete proteins, then they can be nailing their amount of protein, but missing out their leucine. So they're missing out their cement. So when it gets windy, <laughs> all the bricks fall down. You know, if someone's walking down the street, next minute, they're on a podge on the floor. <laughs> Why well, vegans look so dainty? <laughs> this is not about the vegans. Uh, vegans right? get fat, though. Whoa, this is... I'll throw myself under the bus because I'm like very carb-heavy diet <laughs> because I'm a vegetarian. And if you're lazy and you have dietary requirements, you always... Lean to easy things, right? Like bread and potatoes. Yeah, and we'll come on to talk about we'll come on to talk about this yeah. because a lot of the protein a, a lot of the protein sources for say for example, like a lot of beans and lentils, they're high in protein, but they're a carbohydrate source. Mm. Right. So you end up can eat a lot more to get the amount. And the amount we're looking for, there's a reason why it's zero point three to zero point five grams per kilo of body weight. And this is so we hit our leucine threshold. Once we set our leucine threshold, it sends a signal, an anabolic response to grow. Grow, baby, grow. And this is about 2.5 grams to 3.5 grams of leucine. That's what we're looking for per serve to stimulate growth, as we know that this is what we need. Vegans and vegetarians. So there is a lot of plant-based foods that don't hold all the amino acids, okay, all the correct leucine that we spoke to. Okay, so it means that we do have to sort of mix and match things around. But the good thing now, if people struggle, is there are sort of amazing vegan protein powders yeah i think the the best ones of those are going to be like for those our vegan friends out there you need a mix of uh rice and pea blend protein that will give you a bit more of a will give you a complete amino acid profile compared to rice protein or pea protein on its own yeah and you could have a look at the back of the packet and just make sure that when you're looking at the leucine you hope it's got about three grams of leucine, okay, within that packet. And usually if it's got about three grams of leucine per packet, then... Per serve. Per serve. Per serve, so yeah, not per packet. That would be <laughs> dangerously low. Okay, per serve, then you're usually pretty good to go. So a lot of the time, though, hitting your total daily protein, you'll be getting enough essential amino acids, including leucine as well, really. You know, I mean, if you're getting your enough total protein, you're hardly going to do that in one meal. So you're usually going to have to spread it out. Space it out. Spread it out anyway, right? We talk about supplements quickly. You've got supplements like your branch chain amino acids. You've got essential amino acids, or you can actually buy leucine. But if you're hitting your total protein, which is the most important thing, then you're pissing your money away. Yeah. What if you struggle though, like a vegan? I think if you struggle, I still think you should be looking. If if you struggle, then it can maybe be worthwhile. But I'm yet to have a vegetarian or vegan client that I've put on them. Yeah, it's kind of like if you're hitting enough total protein it's sort of like jumping in the pool and then getting someone to spray you with the hose it's just <laughs> kind of like pointless adding that additional amino acid shake but for like someone with shit kidneys me would that be a good alternative if i'm struggling to get my protein i don't know and i wouldn't want to say that because okay. if anyone's got kidney problems disease or anything like that now like that's not some different, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I don't know that. So, we'll say that the reason those amino acid drinks taste so nice is because alone they taste fucking horrible. I remember I went to 
buy amino acids once and there was like you can buy your normal ones for like what 30 40 50 bucks and then they had a bag of unflavored amino acids for like seven bucks it was like heaps like a whole yeah, kilo yeah. i was like sweet bargain bargain <laughs> there's a reason right <laughs> There's a reason. Like, it was so acidic. It was like drinking a battery. Anything that's plain, like true Oof. proteins and there's the natural. The natural. Oof. And I remember I didn't have my protein here, so I Oof. tried one of the sachets. It was a very bad experience for me. What did it taste like? I didn't finish it. But it's kind of, which means it didn't hit my leucine threshold, which means oh, I got super skinny. You blew over in the wind. <laughs> it's kind of like, I know it's a, it's a drink, right? So it's, Liquid, but it tastes like dry milk. Oh. If that makes sense, that oh. was the experience of drinking it. Cheese, no, yeah. No, I like cheese. I like cheese. Liquid cheese. It'd be like fondue then. Liquid like cheese. Dirt, dirty dry milk. Yeah. But uh, I love all your other flavors. Yeah, all the other flavors are great. We will just talk quickly on the anabolic window, which again we spoke about last week. It's pretty much be debunked i think if you're going to train then it is really important that you do get at least a protein shaking after again to stop that sort of muscle protein synthesis for your muscle protein breakdown we don't want that muscle protein breakdown but i think anywhere between one and six hours should have got this paper one and six hours is going to give the most benefit but there's still a stimulus for like 24 hours post training session to get benefit from a protein feeding yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, there's still heaps of benefits to be had to trying to have a higher protein dose as you'll more so for evening trainers. I'd say they struggle to. Um, I've had some clients, and we're talking about this at footy the other day. Like after training, your appetite's not quite there. That like, sucks. You used to finish, finish your sessions, and then, like, you literally have to force feed yourself. Whereas some people go to bed without, like, without eating at all. You know, if you, you are one of those people, that's when just. Ha- pre-making a shake or something like that, like just to help get that last serve of protein in before end of your day. Well, there's a lot about casein at one point, right? (laughs) Having a big serving of casein, which is like a slower releasing protein throughout the night to stop that muscle protein breakdown. So if you talk protein before bed, um, I think 40 grams of protein pre-bed has been shown to increase muscle protein synthesis in fasted state or at least slow down muscle protein breakdown. But it seems to be not much of a worry if total protein is hit throughout the day. Yep. There's a bloody common theme here, isn't there? But people don't. People don't. People don't. You know, I've got a couple of clients at the moment and then the place that they're in with their body and their mind is like, if you hit your total protein every day, a lot of this will fix itself. Like a lot of it. And people do it though. They're like bang their protein, right? Monday to Friday, again, it gets to that weekend. So they go from having, you know, two grams per kilo of body weight protein to Nothing. not even hitting the RNI of 0.8 on a weekend because, because fuck it, carb life. That'd be me. <laughs> um, and I suppose another thing that we need to touch on is just the safety of protein. Like, it's still really argued the fact that it's unsafe, that we shouldn't be eating too much. Caveat. If we have kidney problems, this guy, this then it can be right. It, it can be unsafe, and I don't know enough to to talk on that. I know we had Lily on that sort of went against the grain, and she's, she's like, "Fuck it." Now yeah, well, back my up. 
renal so my renal doctors not a dietitian or anyone like with any nutritional background told me it was 0.6 grams per kilo of body weight that's not a lot and i was like i am very sporty i feel like that's bare minimum for someone who might be you know diabetic with kidney problems who's overweight and not active because i'm heavily active Mm. and i lift weights and i honestly feel faint if i don't yeah like if I don't have enough and I'm trying to hit a hundred and I'm struggling because I'm vegetarian and I'm lazy, (laughs) but anything less than like 80 and I feel like I'm hungry all day and I'm going to put on weight and have other detrimental impacts on my health. So I think Lily and I both went, well, you need to find an equilibrium here because I don't think the research focuses on sporty people with Or young 30 year olds. Yeah. Thank you. Or old 30 year olds. (laughs) Me him. (laughs) Talking about Lily. <laughs> I think she's 28. Yeah, but you're way older than 30, so whoa, <laughs> just, whoa, just, uh, whoa. just balance Lily it out. Lily and I are peas in a pod. Both in our 30s. <laughs> Except she can squat 230 kilos. Two I'll get four. there. I'll get there. All right. So anyway, going back to the evidence, there is no evidence whatsoever that there is any health risk, especially in trained individuals. There is no evidence to suggest a problem on renal function in people without <laughs> kidney problems. <laughs> Couple of things here just to prove my point. Okay, moderate changes in dietary protein intake cause adaptive alterations in renal size and function without indication of adverse effects. Scov, Scov, yeah, et al, 1999. <laughs> this is back. what gets the oh. people going. I was writing back. Well, I think it's important, right? It References. appears that protein intake under 2.8 grams per kilo of body does not impair renal function in well-trained athletes. Performance. In resistance-trained men that consumed a high-protein diet of 2.5 to 3.3 grams per kilo of body weight for one year. There was no harmful effect uh, on measures of blood lipids as well as liver and kidney function. Antonio et al. 2016. Right, so can we put that to bed? I think there was one done at 5 grams per kilo of body weight too Whoa. with no effect, which is the near impossible. That'd be, you'd be so full. Amount. Surely your kidneys would like be strained a it's bit just, then. Yeah, just, but, but no, be. but there was nothing at 5 grams. There was nothing. There was no effect. Nothing. Stinky farts, Nothing. maybe. But then you've got, have you seen, like, you've seen videos of like bodybuilders. I used to love yeah. watching them when they're like a day in the life of a bodybuilder and they're literally just having the worst time ever. Just Eating. like every meal is like nine meals a day and it's a full meal. Like it's literally a job to them to do this. That's why if I was ever going to, it's not like I'm going to get into bodybuilding or strongman because well, I'm not strong or have I got the physique. For it. <laughs> but if I was, go strongman. Then it's just eat whatever you want. Just eat Anything. lots of it. Where, Maybe I should do that. Where bodybuilders eat so much food, but they try and get it all really clean. Yeah. And become super friendly with anabolics as well. <laughs> the life. Um, I did put in some stuff about the elderly. The elderly listeners. Yeah, what's sarcopenia? It's like a breakdown of muscle. Yeah. Don't want that, huh? So, it's kind of like one of those things. If you use it, if you don't use it, you lose density, it. Whatever. Yeah, so sarcopenia has been defined as sort of age-related involuntary loss of skeletal muscle mass and strength. Yeah, yeah I don't know, I was reading, <laughs> I was reading it like I said something different. No. Um, so praying for the elderly, it's important that we are looking at these things too, making sure that our feed-ins are enough per serving. Very similar, sorry, okay, so can bring up chair. very similar to the everyday person. It's just the anabolic window actually seems to be a little bit less, so the total protein on average needs seems to be a little bit less. But again, I think if you're 
getting a little bit older, you know, and if you can have, again, still between three to five feed-ins, okay, going between 1.2 and 1.6, or maybe even just a little bit higher, I think that will be very beneficial. Kate just wrote a note here about refractory periods. Yeah, again, so they say about 2.5 hours between protein feed-ins is ideal. But again, the research is is getting a little bit confusing here. Some are saying that it's not necessary. Others are saying that it is. Um, so it's out. But if we go back to like the most important things just to finish, your daily protein intake is the big one. It's the biggest. The big one. The big one. It's the, it's the big rock. But... Protein distribution and meals per day is also there. So if you just took these two, that is pretty much the two main things that you need to focus on. This is the high percentage base. So if you can hit your total protein and distribute it over three to five meals. Okay. Yeah, it's like we spoke about last week. Breakfast, lunch, a shake, dinner. Maybe even another shake. Sorry? You can have another shake if you Maybe. want. Maybe. Morning tea. And then there's obviously protein quality, which is very People are really anal about this. Like, it's just not that important. You may feel better having grass-fed, organic, slow-roasted, golden. Tastes better. On its back beef, like Sean. But if you're like me, just grunt, you know, eat anything. Oof. Yeah. Cheap. <laughs> <laughs> eat, any, eat anything. Then protein quality really doesn't matter. I think that's just important, you know, from like an economic standpoint too. Like, not everyone can afford organic grass-fed beef. I should. It's delicious. So just get some bloody something down yet. And then protein, you know, timing. As talk about like post-training, it's probably not the most important thing. So the big takeaways are protein daily intake, working out the grams per kilo of body weight that we just spoke about previous. We've just give you everything. And if we can distribute that over a certain amount of meals in the day, great. Making sure that you're getting your leucine, hitting your leucine threshold per meal. We are on to a bloody winner. People are all going to live to like we're 140. Unless we're like a bodybuilder that takes those, and they're doing a lot of heart attacks lately. Yeah, because they're hot. What's your favorite protein source to eat? Meat. Which one? All of grass-fed, organic, golden, back-roasted beef. You know what? I'm gonna say it. Don't call it butcher. I thought you're gonna. Oh no! Fucking find. I reckon people should find a good butcher. I haven't bought meat from Woolies in about four years. Oh, how the other half live. Must be nice. Uh, well, do you know you're a vegetarian? Lost touch with the coming back. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking game changer. Game changer. Uh, have they sponsored you recently? I get free. You're gonna stuff. get a shout out now. Free I sausage. Free stuff. Free sausage. A free sausage. Again, all again animal proteins to me. Again, all protein sources are great. I do think protein powders are magnificent. Again, I don't even think you can call them a supplement anymore. They're pretty much just a food. They are such a high quality. They're the highest quality protein you will have, you know, and something like a true protein that we have here, not sponsored, but we sell it because we, we told all our members to have it before or nutrition clients. So we, we've got it in so we can sell it here just for the amount of protein you get per serve has all your amino acids in there. And it's such a low calorie intake. Like it's just good. So if you struggle with your protein intake while you work on getting a better protein intake, then utilize a protein shake because they can be extremely helpful and you're probably missing a beat if you're not having one. Boom. 
All right, again, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget the sponsor of the podcast, LSKD. Make sure you follow the link in our bio and you will get 10% off. And if you don't follow the link in our bio, just say the word rebuild at checkout. And one more favor, it's been a little while since we've asked you if you can give us a, what do they call him? A review. A review. Five stars. Okay, five stars. Follow us on Spotify. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It goes a hell of a long way. We appreciate it. We'll see you next week.